Are you happy? And what would it take for you to feel truly happy, both now and in the future? The answers to these questions are actually more challenging than they appear. And on the podcast this week, we're going to dig into what it means to achieve happiness and learn how we can stay true to our authentic selves, including the highs and lows. This is the 5 a.m. Miracle, episode number 415, The Science of Happiness and Rediscovering Purpose with Jen Lim. Good morning, I am Jeff Sanders, and this is the podcast dedicated to dominating your day before breakfast. My guest today is the CEO of Delivering Happiness, a company that she and Tony Shea, the late CEO of Zappos.com, co-founded to create happier company cultures for a more profitable and sustainable approach to business. Delivering Happiness began as a book, a New York Times and Wall Street Journal bestseller with over a million copies sold, and it evolved into a business consultancy and global movement that has impacted and inspired companies around the world. Her mission is both simple and profound, to teach businesses how to create workplaces that are led with happiness and humanity. Now, here is my interview with Jen Lim. I want to kick things off today with a bit about you and the work you're doing. So can you share with our audience a bit about your role today and what's keeping you busy? Oh, wow. So I'm the CEO and co-founder of Delivering Happiness. It's a company that uh, myself and the late Tony Shea, uh, the ex-CEO of Zappos, started in 2010. So basically, that's an organization that we've been running um, to, to help other organizations figure out how to make sustainable true happiness happen in a workplace um, and that come out to, you know, actual metrics and profitability. But these days I've been working on this book launch. And so it's been almost like running two companies at the same time. So it's been <laughs> a little hectic and then it's COVID. So and then there's that. Yeah. I, the, the book launch process alone is, yeah, it's a ton of stuff to do on top of yeah running other things in your life. So yeah, I know the feeling. Uh, but let's get into your new book this week. It's called Beyond Happiness, How Authentic Leaders Prioritize Purpose and People for Growth and Impact. Uh, let's just start with the concept of happiness. Uh, how do you define what happiness is and what what are we trying to do to go beyond it? Yeah. So basically, like the, the reason why this all came about and understanding like what happiness is, it came from research. And I was just floored by the fact that there was actually data and, you know, uh, scientific evidence of what true happiness is. So just breaking it down, number one is actually being true to your authentic self. And then going to the senses of um, pleasure, that's a form of happiness, which is like, you know, getting drinks with buddies, you know, like, uh, you know, buying a new shoe or whatever it is. And then there's an extended, more sustainable form of happiness, which was um, purpose. And this goes back to like thousands of years ago when Aristotle was saying this and wondering the same questions of like, what is happiness? It's like, well, happiness is actually when you're living that higher purpose and happiness is dependent on yourselves. So those three things between being true to your authentic, true self, real self, like not just the highs, but the lows and having that sense of passion of like, um, you know, those pleasures that we have in life and then that higher purpose. 
So that's what sets the, like set the stage for us you know, back in 2010 of launching Delivering Happiness and then running this company. And then, of course, COVID hit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 2020 happened to everyone and in a global way that we've never experienced in our life. And I had like five weeks out, <clears throat> excuse me, before um, this book was due and Tony passed away. And for me, I had I was like floored in a different way of just like, whoa, how can I process this yet another unexpected event? And everyone had a crazy 2020. Like everyone experienced some sort of loss, grief, and all that. So it really put me to the test of all the things that we've been doing in the last 11 years. Is this still true? And for me, going through that process of processing, number one, his death and going through that grief and trying to understand where does it take me now? And it reinforced everything I and we and basically the science of happiness has been talking about. And it really is about grounding ourselves in our sense of authentic self, of our purpose, our values. And then that's why I called it Beyond Happiness because taking a really more holistic look into our lives. You know, like we wake up in the morning, what are we going to do today? Are we excited about it or are we not? So beyond happiness to me is like taking that super honest look and reflecting on what is most important to us because we just don't know when it's going to be gone for ourselves or for the people we love. So having that, like not just the highs, but the lows, not our strengths only, but also our shadow sides, our blind spots, of ourselves as human beings and therefore how we can interact and help support each other. So that's how Beyond Happiness came about. Yeah, I remember years ago reading Tony's book and feeling very inspired by the work that he did. And so it's, yeah, it was, it was even for someone like me, I never seen met Tony. It was kind of a tough loss, even for me. So I can't imagine uh, what you went through. I'm sure that's, that is a, a great perspective, even though it's a difficult one, I think to, to tap into yeah, that authentic look at happiness from that, that, that lens for you today, then in terms of tapping into your authentic self and, and seeing your highs and your lows, do you have specific like daily habits or practices or ways to say like, I'm going to get back in touch with myself every day in a certain way, or, or how do you make sure that that's like a lifestyle that you're moving forward with? Yeah, so if I was to go back to really quickly the levers of scientific happiness of what can increase our levels of sustainable happiness, it's a sense of autonomy or control of our lives. It's a sense of progress so that we feel like we're, you know, moving, learning, developing. It's a sense of connectedness. Um, and I think the more current word is belonging. And then ultimately a sense of purpose. So those four levers have been driving like what happened at Zappos back in the day and what we've been like, well, what how have like the company Delivering Happiness has been running um, by espousing these things and actually instilling these things in a systemic way for companies and organizations. So for me, those things still ring true. Like even when I like, and this is like, I, I empathize with everyone that went through whatever they went through, you know, like whether you're a parent or just like had difficulty with your job. Um, those things are still ringing true. And so for me personally, my habits are 
having that sense of autonomy, having that sense of control, even though there were so many things that were outside of my control, um, most obvious being uh, Tony's passing. And then, of course, COVID and all this stuff that happened with um, global recession and, you know, social unrest and all this stuff. So for me, my habits are uh, things that I actually feel like autonomous with and know that it gives me space because my head's just like running you know, all the time with all these th different thoughts. Uh, so people like to meditate. I do too, but I do sponta spontaneous meditations in between. So when, what I mean by that, by spontaneous meditations is like any sick, any, any moment in my day that I have a feeling that I have a sense of my mind is blank. I just take that moment. I literally stop. And if I'm walking or if I'm working, I just stop and take that moment a little longer. And that to me has cleared my head in a, in a way that just gives me more space to say and breathe <laughs> and say, okay, everything's going to be okay. Uh, other things I do is spontaneous <laughs> dance uh, hmm. parties <laughs> just because when I hear a good song, uh, then I get up, you know, get off from my laptop or you know, Zoom land where we've all been for so long. Um, and those kind of practices for me has been like this sense of like the more we can get into those habits that feed ourselves, then that's what I continue doing. I love the dance parties. <laughs> that's, a, that's fun. I, I feel like that was actually something uh, I started doing on Friday evenings during COVID when we were in lockdown, was doing nice. some of those with my daughter, who was at the time was about two years old. And, uh, you know, that was that was fun. I, there's, there's always good ways to, uh, you know, to make a bad thing better. So I think that was that was helpful. So I think it's interesting, too, though, that you're doing these meditations um, on the fly. Because I know that for a lot of people, myself included, it sometimes is difficult to you know guarantee time for self-care or guarantee time to sit and meditate in a predefined kind of way. Um, have you found that doing these spontaneous uh, meditations pop up when you're stressed out? Do you feel like you need to do those in times when, when things are difficult? Or is this more mm. just when you have a, lo a lower moment, you take that chance instead? That's a great question. And now that I'm like reflecting on why these things come up or how I even came up to these spontaneous meditations, it's when I'm fully being present in myself and when I'm not just constantly thinking about my next meeting or what's on my to-do list. It's so interesting like when you actually drop into and have that sense of like, oh, wait, I'm just here right now. Like I'm, I'm talking to you. I'm literally like looking outside the window and, you know, I just like, oh, wow, I'm just here. And so when I had that thought in my head, that's what created the spontaneous meditation of like, well, make, you know, make the most of this time to just sit. And I think and the other, you know, the other side of this is like, if something's not on my calendar, I'm not going to do it. Hmm. <laughs> so also, you know, put, you know, self-care, self-love, whatever you want to call it in in the calendar and i know that sounds like a little too flippant but until it's in my calendar then i went like oh wait i need to do this too so there's the spontaneous side and there's the intentional side that i think we all have to be owners of, of what that means for our time it's so precious What if in 2024, you got a little bit better every day? 
When you're learning a new language with my sponsor, Babbel, that's exactly what you're doing. And if Babbel can help you start speaking a new language in just three weeks, imagine what you could do in a full year. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. Yeah, I, I totally agree with the calendar idea. I think that's how my life operates as well. If it's scheduled, I'll do it. Otherwise, I'll probably forget yeah. about it. Um, what would you say in terms of the pandemic? How has that changed how we approach happiness? Like, have we shifted uh, is, is with different priorities now, or, or what? How did that shape our perspective in terms of striving for for being just happier in general? Yeah, I mean, it was a huge shift. I mean, you can imagine, like, I have a company called Delivering Happiness. And for a long while, people are just like, don't even talk to me about happiness. Like, are you serious? <laughs> like, that's the furthest thing from it. I'm just trying to survive. And what it tapped into is like the going back to the science, because we always believed it's not just the highs, it's also the lows. And going in like even pre-COVID, going through our own cycles and reflections on like what were the highs that you know that we have it's so easy right but what were the lows like for me it was my dad passing 18 years ago obviously for me also tony passing like november of last year those things like if you actually think about them and reflect upon them and think like what values were I, was i living or not living what people were around me or not around me that's been the shift because we don't have to say, you know, happiness per se anymore. It's about being whole as a human being. It's about being holistic. It's about, you know, people here well-being or flourishing. Uh, and for me, what has been the most interesting conversation since 2020 and COVID is that people are wondering what happiness even means anymore. And so that's where the plug of saying, hey, it's not about those highs. It's actually about embracing and sitting still and at being at peace with those lows. So it's been amazing to hear these conversations very candidly, like from CEOs to, to frontliners of like, I'm not even sure what it means anymore. But it also gave us a lot of time, COVID did, um, with lockdown and all that, to reflect on what it is that is most meaningful. And that's where I think, you know, I'm I'm trying to not let a, a good pandemic go to waste because mm -hmm. I'm trying to then carry on and, and further, this further this conversation because, you know, this is what we're here for as human beings. If it's not happiness, what is it? It's being who we are as authentically as we can and being there to support people that we love. So how do we make sure that that is it? 
in, embedded, you know, integrated in our daily lives, not um, because like we're going to hope for it someday, but because we're doing it every day. You mentioned this idea of, of reflecting during the pandemic to think about these things. I'm wondering from the sense of what for me, happiness is fairly seasonal. I feel like what makes me happy today will be different in three months as it was three months ago. Do you have like periods of time where you say like, I'm going to like periodically review and reflect where I am now and then pivot based upon where your life has headed? Or is this a kind of thing where you think that there are like everlasting values of happiness that we're all striving to maintain? Mm, I love that because especially with your audience, like we, we all want to be productive, right? We can't be, <laughs> you know, we're not all have time for to be Socrates and Aristotle every day. So what I say is like we talk about what it means, like you know, purpose and meaning is. It seems like really big words sometimes, but I would just say let's just put up a draft statement, and then those little things along the way of the day. It doesn't mean so much because if we have a purpose statement, a draft one, it doesn't have to be the rest of your life. If we have a sense of values, again, draft because it'll change. That will be your barometer, right? Like that can be your North Star, whatever you want to call it. So that if you're so grounded in those things, then everything that happens around us, the decisions that we have to make on a day-to-day -day basis, doesn't matter so much because you know you're grounded in that draft purpose and value statement that are values that you're living on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, I could go into like how you can create that draft if you'd like, but, uh, Oh yeah, wanna... sure. That, that should be really good. Oh yeah. So, so really quickly, like, and this is, you know, I, w I really wanted to make my book very practical and instead of conceptual. So these are exercises in the book. So basically number one in the purpose statement, um, just ask yourself these three questions. Number one, you know, what, energizes you and it could be positive or negative like sometimes like you're passionate about something or it's something like just pisses the hell of you off like <laughs> so you know like if it's you know social injustice or climate change or whatever like whatever it is like number one where's that energy your natural energy coming from the second thing is your talent and it's not asking yourself it's actually being observant of what people are asking you to do without you even saying anything because they can see something in you that like, Hey, can you do this for me? Or, or, you know, X, Y, Z for me. That's your natural talent that shines. Third thing is your impact. What kind of impact would you like to make? And again, don't overthink it. Just do it really simply. These three questions, you put it on a piece of paper. That's your draft purpose statement for the day. And knowing that, and you could like literally put it on a wall that kind of gives you the guide as to, these are the reasons why I'm here. This is what's most meaningful for me. And then on the value side, I would say, and I kind of alluded, uh, alluded to this earlier, it's like go through your own life of your own highs and lows. And again, extract, if you think about every moment that you had the high and low, what values were there or not there, what people were there or not there. For me, that, that was the, like a huge exercise so that I understood like I wanted a sense of, freedom. I wanted a sense of independence and, uh, well, authenticity. I also needed people. And prior to this, like when I was coming out of school, graduating in the dot-com days, it used to be money, title, status. That's what I was fighting for. And I realized after I lost all that, I got laid off, 9-11 uh, happened. I, I eventually lost my dad to colon cancer. 
none of those things meant anything anymore. So that's how I understood my values, uh, my value set of going where I am now, of, of being, having those things with that purpose, with that values. And now that sense of groundedness, it doesn't even matter what's happening around the world. At least I know who I am and how I want to show up. Yeah, it seems like a really practical perspective, almost like as a way to define a career or like to build a resume as opposed to the kind of external, like you mentioned, like just trying to get the next promotion versus taking it more internal and saying like, these are the things I care about. And do you think that that then drove you towards the work you now do is, is because you were aligned to what you wanted, it sent you that direction in, in a way that you wouldn't have otherwise landed on? Yeah, fundamentally, yes. <laughs> it's just like I just had to go through those things to get to a place because I, I did not grow up being that, that, that happy-go-lucky person by any means. I was more of the cynic. I was more like um, existential, like, what are we here for? Why am I doing this? <laughs> um, but to build on what you just said, I'd say it's definitely not working on the resume. And I, I did touch upon this in, in my book. It's um, what if you were to work on your eulogy instead? And I think that might sound morbid for some, but <laughs> for me, like thinking about when Steve Jobs passed away and, um, you know, people, any, anyone you want to think of. And obviously for me, for Tony, most recently, what were people talking about? It was not the fact that there was an amazing iPhone. Like it was the fact that they were human beings and what they did for other people. So I would put out that challenge instead of working and building your resume, what would your eulogy look like? And how, from a day-to-day -day basis, again, going back to those purpose and values, how are we actually living up to that eulogy? I really like that, especially when you mentioned Steve Jobs. Uh, he, it was 10 years ago, I think two days ago, that he passed away. And he was another one of those like Tony Shea types where I was, I was following someone else's vision of a life that they built where I think that, look at someone like Steve Jobs, he had a grand vision. And I think mm -hmm. the, of myself, and I don't have nearly the vision I think he did, but I, I know that in my times in my life and career, when I've had a more clear vision of something bigger and grander I wanted to achieve, it does really drive you forward, especially for me in those days when things were really tough. I knew like it had a grander meaning. I feel like that when I'm missing that, I can feel it because I, I don't I'm a little more lost. And when I can connect with that bigger thing, it just yeah, it feels like life has a little more connectedness in those moments. Mm. Yeah, beautifully said. It's like um, just thinking about like, you know, what is going to like what his at the end of the day, like his uh, sister read this beautiful eulogy about, you know, not the products he made, but the connection that he did and the person that he was. So I think that reminder on a day to day basis is it even in the most chaotic situation of things that come in our day-to-days, um, it really grounds us as to, oh, okay, this is not a big deal. I have actually bigger things to do because I am connected to uh, what I really want to be, be known for and, and live for. Fast forward to the end of 2024 and think about your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should check out my sponsor, Babbel. 
Finally achieve your new language goal in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold, and studies from Yale, Michigan State University, and others continue to prove Babbel is better. One study found that using Babbel for 15 hours is equivalent to a full semester at college. Babbel's convenient courses have helped me to learn real-life conversation skills in German, including ordering food and asking for directions, without having to rely on language apps while traveling. Now, here's a special limited-time deal for my listeners. Right now, get 55% off your Babbel subscription, but only for my listeners at babbel.com slash 5am. Get 55% off at babbel.com slash 5am, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 5am. Rules and restrictions may apply. So how does this happiness perspective play out in more of like a a corporate culture or how does a a company go about doing this? Because I know that now, I've worked for companies where values have varied widely, and it's, mm-hmm. it does appear that when the company has a sense of the direction it wants to go, the people follow that, for better or for worse. So how right. does the, the happiness you know, element play into the company culture that, that you've seen? Yeah, so the biggest part of this is that, as you've said, you know, like more and more companies have purpose and values like on, you know, pretty like you know sort of artwork on the wall or whatever but how many people are actually living it the biggest difference i'm seeing now in in the biggest sense of change of what happiness is is that it's not just the company's purpose and values that we're trying to live for it's our own purpose and values and again i I go through these exercises in the book because it becomes really practical like when you get your teams when you get your employees to actually go through these exercises and identify them for themselves Then you get a deeper conversation. And then when you align them and say, okay, what are your purpose and values? And and these are a company's purpose and values. And how do they align? And I can't tell you how much times like people are just like so excited to see like, oh, wow, my values align here. And this is why I'm going to show up to work. My purpose aligns here for these reasons. And this is why I'm going to show up to work. So I think that's been the biggest sort of, uh, well, awakening I've I've seen in terms of like how to actually make this work from a happiness standpoint. When you actually appreciate people for who they are, ask them questions about what their you know real goals are outside of like the skill set and responsibilities and the project that they have to. Do, that's when engagement truly happens. So the happiness front is towards the longer goal of of course you know. Profit, profitability and sustainability of company, but they're also feeling that they're adding something to the world as well as the company is for their purpose too. Is there a way for you to kind of like walk companies through a process like this? I feel like there are, I mean, workshops and examples of things like this, but is there a specific like activity that tends to help the most to kind of get people um, on this path to, to figuring out these things? Yeah, there's a series of stuff like, um, Number one, if you know executives are in this, uh, senior management or even just leaders of your team, if they're in it, 
it, it needs alignment. So number one is basically getting everyone, like the leaders in the room, in, to talk about these things in a really open, honest, and vulnerable way. That's what I've seen so most effective, like from boardrooms to to you know senior leadership meetings. That really kicks off the sense of commitment from the top level. But even if you don't have that, you can do it even within your own team. So number one, we get so much data, right? Like from employee engagement to you know these surveys that we take of employees. So many companies just leave that data on the bookshelf. They're just like, okay, cool, we got it, we're good. But what about if doing a like if you do a deeper dive into that, you get an assessment. So you get a snapshot of what's going well and what's not going well. And if you truly take that in and say, hey, let's celebrate these things because this is amazing that we're doing these things. But let's also focus on these two, two, three things that are not going well. And what's our plan together to help fix it? And it's not going to be a CEO decision to say, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be a collaborative sort of like, how are we going to do this together? So that would be my, like, top of mind, quickest things to assess, like using the data, um, quantitative and qualitative, and say, okay, and be communicative about it. Just say, this is what we're going to work on. Yay on this. And then we're going to focus on this. And then that's when you see the results happen. And then keep on measuring. You know, like, you'll be pretty surprised how much retention is improved or sales are improved. Like, Every metric that we've seen when you do this kind of process, uh, it just helps the whole organization and obviously the happiness and sustainability of people too. How do you see the future of work evolving? Because, I mean, the way that I've seen it with an integration of technology and remote work and a lot of different variations in the the ways that companies are structured, do you think that Mm -hmm. work going forward will look more similar to how it is like basically post-COVID, let's say? Or will it be even more different than that? Because I feel like there has been a massive shift in the last couple of years. And I'm just curious as to your thoughts on like where you think we're headed. Yeah, of course. Like, so the future of work, we've been hearing that for a long time. And then I think with 2020 and COVID, et cetera, it's no longer the future. It's actually happening right now. Right. And so a lot of companies are just like, okay, we got to figure this out. So I, I did a bunch of work with Starbucks and um, they were, you know, for oh, well, prescient enough to think uh, forward because they've been around 50 years and they wanted to understand how they could be there 50 years later. What happened, and this was before COVID, and so we did a ton of research and in, in understanding like what's the future of work and then therefore what does it mean now because of this triage situation that all these companies had to go through. What I learned through that process is that like, companies like not just Starbucks, uh, Microsoft, Google, they started double down, like putting double downs on their people. And so the future book seems like automation, AI, which it truly is. Like that's where we're going. We're going remote. All these things are inevitable. All of a sudden we got to put it in you know, front of our face in 2020. But at the same time, these huge companies that understand that they want to be around for a long time to be sustainable, we're investing major dollars, like millions of oh, in some, in some cases, billions of dollars in people. And that's where I think the future of work is going. It's like there's almost a given, you know, technology is exponentially growing, but what we're not seeing as clearly is how do we actually invest back in our major assets of people that cannot do what technology does. So 
I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this is all going to, you know, pan out. But technology is going to, you know, we, we kind of fear it in some ways, but it's our friend. Like we're, we're humans that we're actually controlling it in some ways most <laughs> of the time if we choose to. But when we're not, it's just like, hey, you know, the fact that people, let's be people, you know, like let's treat the future of work with the assets of human beings in mind. And that's when it comes to, you know, having a sense of creativity, having a sense of um, being able to adapt to situations that a computer could never do. And of course, having emotions <laughs> um, that we all do as human beings. So that's where I think the future of work is now <laughs> happening. Yeah, I love that. I think doubling down on people definitely is is the answer. Um, what does beyond happiness mean now for us? Or what, what are we, I guess, for the, the average listeners listening today, they want to I mean, apply these strategies in an effective way. What does it mean for them uh, to really take this home? Yeah, of course. Like, I, I mean, that's an open question because this dialogue has been happening, especially accentuated in the last, you know, 18 months, two years now. So for me, the beyond happiness part is just remember to think about ourselves as whole people and not just, again, fo focus on, you know, what's going, what's been right in our lives but also understand what's been not going right. And that's for ourselves. That's for the people we love. That's uh, for the employees or teams that we run or, or we lead. Like one of the big metaphors that I have in the book is uh, basically as you grow other greenhouses, as, le you know, as leaders, we naturally want to grow other greenhouses. We want to make sure people are growing. Don't forget to nurture your own greenhouse too. So that's where I really want to expand the conversation on what beyond happiness is because that means getting real, you know, like the, whether it's like a mental thing, you know, it's been such a huge topic now, you know, whether it's like Simone Biles and like people just saying, you know what, I can't do that because for these reasons, it's a mental, it's an emotional, it's a relational, it's a physical thing. Um, it's like being, well, it's a financial thing too, like having these conversations fully. And of course, having uh, the the purposeful part of our conversation as a part of it, our spiritual sense. So that's where I was trying to expand the conversation of what beyond happiness can mean. I love that. This is this is a great topic. I think there's a lot here to dig into. And I want our listeners to be sure to to learn more from you and get a copy of the book. So so where can they go to dig in? Uh, yeah, so I just launched a, a site for the book, Jen Lim, it's J-E-N-N-L-I-M.com, and uh, the company is DeliveringHappiness.com. Okay, perfect. All those links for our listeners this week. And uh, Jen, this has been wonderful. I think there's, yeah, a lot to say about what happiness is today, what it will be going forward. I'm glad you're you know, getting this conversation started through a book like this. So yeah, thanks again. Yeah, no, I appreciate it. Great questions. Thank you, Jeff. And for that action step this week, be happy right now. Uh, that's kind of a bad one. How about this? Your action step this week is to take an authentic inventory of where you are right now, including the good and the bad, the highs and the lows. See, happiness begins in reality and then blossoms from there. So ground yourself today in your true reality and pick up Jen's book, Beyond Happiness, to dig in even further. JeffSanders.com slash 415 is the place to go to get the episode notes. 
Also, go to 5ammiracle.com to join the 5am club and get free email updates about the show. That's all I've got for you here on the 5am Miracle Podcast this week. Until next time, you have the power to change your life, and the fun begins bright and early. Hey, it's Jeff Sanders, and I'm here to tell you about Greg McEwen and his amazing show, The Greg McEwen Podcast, part of the Yap Media Network. Want to achieve more by doing less, all while avoiding burnout? You can design a life that really matters with Greg McEwen, author of New York Times bestsellers, Effortless and Essentialism. His mission is to help you advocate and negotiate your way to remarkable results. Every Tuesday, Greg discusses one key topic he finds interesting and valuable through the lens of the essentialist. Every Thursday, he invites thought leaders, entrepreneurs, celebrities, and people like you for inspired weekly conversations focused on learning how to do what matters first and do less but better. His content will stir your thoughts and spark inspiration and action. And his British accents, well, that's just the cherry on top. Subscribe to the Greg McEwen podcast today on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform.